Blog Talk Radio. wonderful knowledge that guests bring to this program, 
um, we have experienced or are experiencing some degree of awakening, whether sudden or or more gradual. And so I am just so happy to have you here, Mary. Thank you. Yes. And um, in terms of the website, my other website is maryshutan.com. So that will bring oh, you to the kind good. of mother load of, of information and blogs and all yes. that sort of stuff. <laughs> Somehow, you know, it was strange. It didn't come up right away. And so I felt, you know, I have a feeling I don't quite have the, the, the only one. So I'll be sure those of you listening in the archive We'll see that up on the page so that um, you can go there. So thank you for letting us know that. Perfect. Um, (laughs) Now, I have to tell you, Mary, um, there is such profoundly helpful, you know, I want to say profoundly powerful, and it is powerful, but what it really is, Mary, is helpful and and healing and and a kind of, um, information that gives us understanding that we may never had have had before that is in your book and to explore this today because there's such a wealth of material I feel that the best way to come into this which I know the audience will really connect to is to begin to understand the types of awakenings and then we can also talk to a degree about these layers that you have uncovered. But I really want to make sure that we can explore the types of awakenings because I know that people so would like to hear this because they're they're no doubt going to relate to the different types. Yeah, so in doing my own exploration and research and all the things that you mentioned and working with people who have gone through Um, different types of awakenings. I found that in general, when we talk about spiritual awakenings, we talk about it kind of as a general concept. Or we may understand kind of some of the more severe awakenings, like we might have an idea what a kundalini awakening is, um, or you might have heard of somebody going through a religious awakening. But in reality, there are all of these different types of awakenings that we can go through, each with kind of their their different different types of symptoms, different types of experiences, and they really can go from being really mild to quite severe. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, so a lot of people come to me and they're expecting to have this incredibly severe experience and they might not yeah. even consider what they went through to be a spiritual awakening of a sort because yeah. it was yeah. milder or more gradual. But, but yeah, there's this whole spectrum out there and it's not widely known. So I thought I'd yeah. be the person to, to bring that forward. <laughs> Yes, and I'm happy that you did. And I think that that's something that really struck me, and I feel that many of us have had some awareness of this, is, you know, although there are gentle forms of awakening, there can be some really dramatic forms of awakening. And, you know, we had at some point on the show um, another fellow um Finhorn author um, Catherine Lucas was on the show, and some of these people don't even survive. I mean, this is pretty serious yeah. stuff. It's it's really something to take seriously. Um, you know how we can become ungrounded. Um, I suppose is the term that so often, and you use it, and I, it, that term is thrown about so much. I know. 
for years um, I've heard it in different ways, and yet it's very important, I know. Yeah, so we can become um, ungrounded. And a term I use a lot for people is just kind of um, a feeling of chaos, meaning that you're having so much stuff happening that you don't know what's going on and you don't know what to do about it. And because as a society we're not very educated about spiritual awakenings or spiritual processes overall, it can be really confusing for people and really traumatic for people to have a lot of, say, physical symptoms that come with some of the more severe awakenings or to wake up one day and have a completely different outlook at reality, completely different belief system from, like, one moment to the next after, you know, having having an active cycle or having, you know, kind of a mini stronger awakening. So um, realizing that spiritual awakening in its, even in its mild of, milder forms, but certainly in its severe forms can lead to kind of full spectrum, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual symptoms is, is really important knowledge to have. Yes, yes. And, you know, something I think that, that many Many people fail to see sometimes, and maybe you see it in in retrospect, is how this is an unfolding of many years. I mean, I think, are we so often, Mary, in our society in such a rush, you know, to understand or, you know, to sort through it all, to, to get ourselves totally, you know, wherever we want to be, that, that we don't realize that the integrating these things and even the experiences themselves, they unfold over many years and many, I was just about to say many lives. <laughs> I was going to say yes, a lifetime, but yes, many <laughs> lives, that too. Um. Yeah, so there is a misunderstanding about kind of the the generalities of spiritual awakening because we do have this kind of oddly, you know, spiritually competitive culture where we want mm-hmm. to acquire something. We think of enlightenment or being awake is kind of this final rush, you know, over the finish line or finishing a race or something like that. And what it really means is just that kind of you you step out of that really hardcore seeker mentality and you just kind of flow and you just kind of naturally unfold. It doesn't mean that you know everything in the universe. It doesn't mean that you won't have difficulties in your life. It doesn't mean that, you know, you won't have health issues or, you know, all this sort of kind of illusory stuff that that people mm-hmm. have put on kind of like, oh, I'm awake sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, there's this basic misunderstanding that um, I hear people say, oh, I had a Kundalini awakening in 1978. And um, I talk about this a little bit in my book, but there are different types of kundalini awakenings. And a true full kundalini awakening is a lifetime and likely many lifetime process. It's not something that happened on like March 1st, 1978 or, or something like that. Yes. How about, you know, I know that your book goes into this, and I know that I'm watching people come on the line, too. You're you're definitely attracting callers. In fact, we don't have a chat room open, and I may attempt to open one during the show here. Um, I don't always open it because sometimes it has complications. But I know that this is really connecting to the audience, I can see. Because when 
you've had these experiences depending on where you're at and where every one of us is at a different point and there's no I'm not saying in terms of advanced or not or nothing like yeah. that but in terms of understanding um we do really connect to it and you know I can I can tell you um quickly an experience I had years ago before I had what was really a dramatic very sudden um even in some ways not well unwanted <laughs> the way it came awakening although also wanted but um and maybe this this will help do people often i had an experience with cranial sacral therapy when i was really very young and a computer scientist and and someone i had a neck issue and someone said oh go see my cranial sacral therapist and i said oh okay i'll sure <laughs> And I didn't know anything about words, it. Yeah. <laughs> I walk in there, okay, so she's working on me and she says, Oh, you have a blockage and oh my gosh, Mary, to this day in fact I went back to the office and I told my fellow computer scientists very very um non you know, some of them were at various levels of opening to awaken and some of them were amazed. They're like, Really? I said, I I got really hot. My spine got really hot. I felt this heat, and then I was going. I was leaving. I was, whoosh, (laughs) I don't know where I was going. Well, I was raised as an evangelical Christian, and I had kind of rejected. I wasn't really in that space, but it really frightened me. And so fear just, I I fell right back down. I mean, because I started getting afraid, like, what, what is this? And, and so, so anyway, that's my, that was my early exposure to something that really threw me and how it threw me out of my body when I wasn't even, I didn't even expect that. I mean, I'd heard of such things, um, but it was really a a little different to have direct experience of it. Yes. Well, I wasn't even looking for, I was looking to relax my neck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, kind of famous last words, but that is one of the reasons that I talk about kind of like body work and specifically craniosacral therapy for spiritual awakenings so much is because um, it's one of the few modalities, you know, some modalities will kind of talk a good game, but it's one of the few modalities that I've practiced um, can kind of span that spectrum of spiritual, energetic, emotional, um, physical. So it's, it's, you know, it's an incredible experience. Um, it's only if you have a good practitioner, of course, but it is mm-hmm. one of those things that helps people tap into their spiritual nature. Um, mm-hmm. And just as a whole, um, just the structures that it works with um, and kind of the fluid system of the body as a whole is is a very spiritual, spiritual thing. So that's kind of my, my shout out for, for craniosacral therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess the way it enters into this topic, just through my own perspective, is how um, I guess sometimes, you know, it's as if we have previews almost. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. we just have, these experiences that feel outside of us, but they're really a part of our overall lifelong awakening. And when I look back on that time, I needed that particular experience, and I was kind of tricked into it. Yeah, <laughs> and, or maybe not. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, but our higher selves, or whatever you want to call it, don't we? We 
create all kinds of, of experiences. And and so I guess um, the question becomes, for those listening, um, what if you have had, you know, a non-sequitur experience and you're attempting to integrate that because we get a lot of listeners. And this experience puzzled me for years. I wondered about it until later, and then then I had a lot more to think about after that. <laughs> but when I became, yeah. when I had a more dramatic awakening. Yeah. But I, I just know there are listeners out there who have had experiences, and they don't know how to explain them at different degrees. Yeah, and so there are a couple things that I'll mention. And the first is that we do get previews kind of, um, and I kind of compare it to dipping your toe in the water of, you know, what you're prepared for, what you're ready for um, in the book. And we may have time to talk about the layers, but my basic understanding of things is that we're we're all awake. We are all enlightened, you know et cetera, et cetera, whatever words you want to put on it. We just have these layers of beliefs and understandings and kind of trauma that are that are circling around us from varying sources, our own as well as other sources. But so in this state, we, you know, we on some level know a lot more than we do kind of in our conscious walking mm-hmm. around everyday sort of state. So sometimes those experiences can be just like the little jolt that we need to mm-hmm. um, have that experience to begin the questioning process. So maybe a month down the line or five years down the line or 10 years down the line, we can finally be like, you know what? I'm not so afraid anymore. I'm okay yeah. with kind of whatever happened. Um, and Sometimes they can be um, initiatory experiences, meaning that we're kind of thrown in the lion's den, so we learn a lesson, we learn something really, really fast. Um, And so it is difficult to integrate those those experiences. And one of the things that I think that I see people do quite a bit is try to um, integrate them intellectually, meaning that they'll Uh you know go to message boards, they'll you know they'll talk to their friends, they'll read books. And what they're not doing is settling into their bodies, and they're not settling Mm. into the actual like spiritual direct revelation of this experience. So we tend to really want to intellectualize spiritual experiences. And at a certain extent, we kind of can, but to a greater extent, we really can't because there are individual experience. And if we're just kind of okay with not knowing everything, we can settle into things a little bit better. Yeah. You know, as as I was reading your book, Mary, and I guess I, I'm jumping around a little bit in this topic just because I'm I'm having such an experience with this material um, myself, and I, and I wonder if other people I know they have obviously because you're writing about it is when you talk about intellectualizing because I was a researcher essentially, um, you know I, I that you know my I have a scientific background. When some things happened to me in later years, they felt like, and I told, I've told i only told a couple of people, these feel like exercises, like somebody's put some test in, but like exercises. And they had a discrete beginning and a discrete end. And, and then they would stop, and then another one would start. And they were like, 
this was when I was having a more dramatic awakening, um, which was launched in a time, uh, well, it's really difficult to say what launched it exactly, but it doesn't matter because we all have these kinds of experiences. And so I imagine there are people out there, there have to be, because you write about it in your book, who have had something similar. And, you know, I've had this, I've heard this concept of initiations. I've been a little resistant to the concept. I really appreciate that you talk about ego here and false ego and whether, you know, you're in some special initiatory group or, you know what I mean? I mean, you do. Yeah. You write about it. I mean, it's not about that. It's not about, oh, look, you know, look at this, whatever, in an ego way. So, again, I'm totally jumping ahead and we're going to jump around and I swear I'll probably bring you back because I know we're <laughs> going to have so much to talk about. Um, but I know that this is something that now occurs, and you're reporting about it on in your book. Yeah, so um, initiatory experiences, a lot of times people have a lot of them, um, and the vast majority did the vast majority of them are kind of created by our own mental constructs. And it's hard for us to wrap kind of our minds around this. But mm-hmm. um, if we consider kind of our spiritual nature, our, our eternal nature, whatever you want to call it, when we progress spiritually and we kind of let go of some of those layers that are around us, some of our beliefs, some of our understandings about the world or, you know, some of our trauma, whatever's going on, that causes us to kind of progress, um, we need to mentally wrap our minds around it. So sometimes we will create circumstances for ourselves to, um, to logically ascribe kind of this new vantage point, this new experience. Um, and there certainly are spiritual initiations, meaning that um, – Specifically, I talk about kind of in shamanic callings, people that are called to be spiritual workers to fulfill that role for the community. There are all sorts of initiations that I believe are direct from spirit that um, that allow for us to learn new tools, to have new understandings, to kind of help the world at large. Um, but in talking to a lot of people, we have such strong mental barriers, such strong, you know, kind of intellectualism. That's that's our main focus. We really like to consider ourselves to be logical creatures, yeah. and a lot of spiritual things are not logical. And so, yeah. we need to figure out a way to kind of wrap our minds around stuff so we create a lot of stuff, basically. Yeah. Now, I will tell you that um, I know that a lot of um, listeners to this show, and I noticed the show's being surfaced right now to a broad audience at the moment, and people may be coming in who are evangelical Christians like I was when I was young, and throughout, actually throughout my awakening, I actually bounced back into it um, because I was attempting to integrate what happened. Um, and there are those I encountered very direct um, spirit guides, and I was also told, you know, growing up that that um, this is something to fear. Now, when I was really integrated, um, it was it was wonderful. This did not feel fearful to me. When I evaluated it later, well, you know, that's where, and I know we're going to get into the layers because I had a certain cultural. Um, um, a layer that that had to be worked through essentially um and and so i guess for those 
who are listening who have issues with or have been taught that that kind of experience is demonic. Um, you know, how, and this may get us into the, the layers, how can you um, approach the listeners who are out there right now um, with a a higher understanding that's based in love and 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 not fear. Yeah. So um, I when I'm talking about spiritual awakenings, a lot of people assume that it's kind of um, more of a I, I hate the term New Age. It's yeah. For lack of a better <laughs> word, I'll I'll use that. But. There are, um, one of the categories I go into is religious awakenings where Mm -hmm. somebody has an experience where, you know, they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit or maybe they're directly communicating to to Jesus or, or something like that. And a lot of these people are really, really fascinating because, uh, uh, some of them will be, you know, alcoholics kind of at the at their lowest of low points, and suddenly they have this religious awakening, and they convert to a specific religion that's calling them, and they completely turn their lives around. So I like to use examples like that because um, it is much more, a little bit more acceptable for people to, you know, feel the presence of the the Holy Spirit or something to that extent. But I will say overall that there are no easy answers for this. Um, In terms of organized religion, we are used to having that that middleman. I mean, that's essentially what the church is or what the preacher is um, or something like that. And so when we have kind of a direct path or a direct gateway or direct connection, um, that is something that creates a lot of fear in in those kind of organized religious communities, or at least some of them. So I have worked with a fair number of people who, you know, were experiencing spiritual awakening or, you know, even something that's the highest, lightest love, um, you know, the presence of Jesus and it's completely transformed their lives. And there have been some, you know, religious officials that have been incredibly supportive of that and, and been like, okay, let's, you know, get some counseling, let's get you integrated. And then there's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where they might have to decide um, based on the reaction of their church to them um, if they choose to share this, if that's kind of the appropriate place for them anymore. Yeah. Well, sometimes there can be fairly strong reactions in terms of um, whether viewing it as spiritual, like oppression is one of the words that's used, not possession, although it can be, um, yeah. but just that's a word that, that gets used sometimes that, you know, and, and there can be various ways that people attempt to intervene in an experience, even over a course of years, Um that and it can be complex. I, I actually um recall a strong um aspect of something I experienced which actually did relate very much to the Holy Spirit, which felt safe in some ways, you know, because um and, and I have noticed that charismatic Christians, which there's some history of this in my family, um I'm actually the granddaughter of a charismatic minister, um although I wasn't charismatic, 
um, I've noticed, though, that there's some similar parallels there where, you know, they can be very connected in interesting ways um, through that tradition. Yeah, and you can see this when you, you know, visit some churches and some places of worship that people will go into spontaneous movements, spontaneous vocalizations. They'll feel kind of downloads of bliss. Um, They'll feel really connected. And it is intensely magnified because, you know, it's a whole lot of people. And out of those, you know, let's just make up a number 50 people, maybe, you know, 10 of them are feeling that intense energy and are are dancing and moving. And and that sort of energy is really electric and can provide awakening for for a group rather than rather than an individual. So there are strong spiritual awakenings to be had through through some some religious paths um that can be quite powerful. Yeah. Um oh, and I want to let the audience know that I did open a chat room and I noticed like one person was able to get it. It's kind of tricky if you open it right after, but if you guys Try to refresh the show page. You may be able to get in there. If you don't see it, you don't see it. But um, just letting the audience know who is listening live if you want to interact. Um, I think we'll we'll maybe go and explore, take a step into this a little more methodically as we go through um, the time that we have remaining, is that perhaps this is a good time um, to talk a little bit about the 12 layers of conditioned reality as best we can in the time that we have, because it's it's really important to have some understanding of that. Yeah, so in terms of, I already talked a little bit about this, but the, the belief is essentially that we are all awake, we are all enlightened, whatever word you want to put on it, but we have these layers that cover it up. Yeah. Um, and so um, I use in my book the kind of analogy of um, nesting dolls, meaning that in the mm-hmm. center we're, you know, light and we're divine. And as we get these layers on top of us going outward, um, we come less and less into realization of that. And so the the outmost layer that I talk about, and I talk about 12 layers because those are kind of the major ones, but there are other layers and other stuff that can go in as well. But the outer layer is our self and our current experiences on earth and kind of the traumas that we've had, the beliefs that we've constructed, um, you know, kind of our restrictions, what we believe about ourselves to be true. Um, and this really kind of takes us away from who we might vitally be as a person, who we are kind of like in our awakened state, meaning that um, we're in line with creation, we're in line with ourselves, we're who we're intended to be. And so the the concept of awakening to me is really a state of freedom, meaning removing all those layers and coming closer and closer to who we truly are and recognizing our divinity, recognize and being like kind of fully in line with that. And so I go through kind of layers um, that are past that, that um, that when we start being able to take care of our own stuff, meaning maybe we go to therapy or maybe we have a meditation practice, we start to work through like the traumas that we've experienced, we start to be able to kind of see past our own stuff 
um, yes. that we get to patterns like what what went on in our family, what were our parents like, what beliefs did they give us, um, yes. what beliefs were passed down to them from from ancestors from our ancestral line. Um, what might have happened to us in past incarnations and and past lives. Um, And so I talk about kind of um, there are a couple phases of layers, not to make this more confusing, but but that's kind of all of our stuff that informs us. Beyond that, we get to layers that are more um, global and are more community-based. So what has what beliefs has society given us? What beliefs has the world given us? What beliefs has our has our religion has you know kind of our sex, um, gender, uh, culture? Um, what beliefs are passed down to us through through archetypes? What sorts of traumas and and understandings um, have kind of passed down to us through those lines? And as we awaken. We are able to kind of see and work with all of these layers and really to release a lot of trauma, release a lot of illusion, release a lot of false belief. And as we do so, we become more in line with who we are. Um, We become more, you know, kind of outwardly truthful, more authentic. Um, We realize who we are, what we're supposed to do here. Um, and eventually we start to see states of what I call flow, which is essentially kind of um, feeling yourself in oneness, but yet as a separate person at the same time. Yes. So that's the basic that's the basic understanding of it. And in the book, I go through each of the layers and I talk about a bit about the layer. Um, as well as some exercises that are um, uh, tried to make really practical, and I've gotten some really great feedback about them. About you know, oh, I'm noticing that you know I do have some beliefs that were passed down to me by my father. How do I release those? How do I become aware of them? How do I you know work with this this layer? How do I understand where I am? So. I really tried to make this um, really practical, really pragmatic for people and really kind of no-nonsense, so to speak, so people can really kind of understand where they are and, and basically what to do about it. Yes, and I think it's it really is good to point out that um, this book, and I'm realizing this as I look at it, that it's it's a book to work with. It's not a it's not just a quick read and you're done and you understand all the all the times of awake. It's it's actually a book to work with. It it does provide many exercises and and you know I see it as an invitation for for many of us as as something to spend time with. Um, because you do. I can see that and I'm only glimpsing, you know, in the time that I've had the book, just um, what those various exercises could do and and help the listeners and those who who go out and and work with this this material. Yeah, and so that is really what I wanted one of the focuses of the book to be is that there's a lot of material out there that I call kind of aspirational, meaning that if you want to open up your third eye, if you want to have a spiritual experience, um, you know, here, if you want to become psychic, whatever, um, that's what most of the books out 
are on the market. There is a lack mm-hmm. of um, work that's for people um, that are currently going through things like spiritual awakenings or currently are, you know, inundated by spiritual stimuli. Um, maybe they're having difficulty with, you know, sensing too much spiritual stuff around yes. them. So there's a real lack of tools for this population. And so a lot of my work I've been realizing has been to provide those sorts of tools for people who are currently having spiritual experiences so they can kind of um, realize what they need to and, and move on as, you know, happy, healthier individuals. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm I'm really thankful that this material exists now because I think that, um, you know, so many times, you know, we always, I, I feel this with a number of books that I've encountered now on different topics that, oh, my goodness, this would have been helpful. But I, I tend not to think that so much because I think, well, you know, we, the books and the teachers come to us in the proper timing. And I think you say that in the book itself, that, you know, various various teachers come our way, not up on a pedestal teachers, but just people who can share um, information when we're ready to hear it. And what I appreciate about this material is that it speaks to people having such a variety of experiences because that's the way it is. You know, it's there, there isn't just one kind of experience. And we may even think, oh, you know, I had this experience, you know, and we have it labeled and, and we think we know. And yet it seems like it's more dynamic than that to really understand, um, well, you know, it's it's a lifetime, and you may never fully, fully understand it. But but how do you integrate it into the world? I mean, I think that's such an important aspect here, so that you know we can be fulfilled and and following whatever path we're called to follow. Yeah, and that is kind of a big part of of the message of the book is that. Um, uh, when I started kind of looking at spiritual awakening material, a lot of it was focused on ascension, on going somewhere, on kind of escapism, for lack of a better word, and this idea that, oh, if only I were awake, everything would be perfect. And we still have a bit of that where we have, I mean, I talk about ego awakenings in the book and we can get into Mm -hmm. that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. um, about how there are teachers and gurus out there who are stating, oh, my life is absolute bliss. My life is absolutely perfect. You know, I'm immortal, you know, sort of things like Mm -hmm. now that they've been awakened. Um, And so we do have this culture of people that want to, go places and think that if they only, you know, think right, they'll be millionaires and, you know, all this sort of stuff that to me seems a little bit silly and so contrary to my experiences. Um, I really wanted to learn how to um, live in my body and how to make my life here, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, more blissful, happier, more in line. Um, And so a lot of the focus Um, of the book is, you know, you can still go to PTA meetings and go to the grocery store and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. It's the the old, um, what do you do before enlightenment, you know, chop wood, carry water, and what do you do after chop wood, carry water sort of thing. So so that's been a real focus for me and and something that a lot of people have really appreciated that I'm not, you know... (laughs) 
That's why yes. we tell people to to go places. <laughs> <laughs> You're not telling them to just go live on a mountain somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling them that if they that if they only like think right, that they'll never have anything bad happen to them. Yeah. or you know stuff like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know, I, it seems like. Um, I'm encountering more and more teachings, and, and you know, you talk about the body a lot, given that, given your work, and and truthfully, um, I will say my own experience has been that this is all coming later. Um, having, you know, that only recently, for example, do I am I starting to do yoga and different things that are helping me in some ways. That, um, and, and I think that that it's important to to have an awareness um of your body and now and i also will say something you said about being in the world being in the pta and all that i I find it interesting and maybe there are others out there who are having this experience that although at times it could be challenging when when i felt that i was going through some of the more powerful aspects of my experiences I was very active in the what we were it was called the PTO, <laughs> the PTA, similar, and even became president during that time, which was a little bit hazardous at one point because I had it got a little challenging to 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 integrate everything, but it was also helpful. It was both because it helped, you know, and and there was nothing like cleaning my kitchen. Or or something like that. I I was just in Kansas, cleaning my kitchen, looking out my window at at Kansas, (laughs) and um, and things like that, um, without really knowing that this was actually helping to in the world doing something very physical. Yeah, and so. In um, a couple of things. One is that um, when we talk about spiritual processes, again, a lot of times people will think that it's somehow separate. Like we have a separate mind, we have a separate body, we have a separate spirit, and the spirit stuff is kind of like over here in the corner somewhere. But um, we are spirit in a physical container. Um, And so if we are, um, you know, it can be really helpful and really a essential for people to be of service when they're going through spiritual awakenings because mm-hmm. when you're experiencing a lot of your own stuff coming up and that's like kind of all the stuff that comes up at first um and maybe for for a long time for some people um mm-hmm. is that you're going to get really wrapped up in it you're going to get really wrapped yeah. up in your fear or feelings of lack of control feelings perhaps of, you know, just so much emotions or overwhelming experiences or maybe even body movements depending on the type of awakening coming up. And so going out and just being of service in some small way can be really essential um, and can be really helpful for people even if they're having really intense awakenings. It's one of the things that I really suggest to people that are having things like Kundalini awakenings. Um, because often they're so wrapped up in their own stuff that they can't really see outside of themselves. Yes, yes. Now, there are people that, um, that there's an inevitable question um, that I think is really important, is when when people are having these powerful experiences, and, and I will express one aspect, well, um, just 
there are many aspects I could express, but one, like you may be seeing a lot of synchronicities at a, a much higher level, and those who don't know what the synchronicity is, is a, a meaningful coincidence, um, something that's almost impossible, like how in the world could that be? Um, I found myself, when this first started, being amazed, I mean, at it, and then even a little bit afraid of it at some point because of my evangelical background. But I guess, um, well, I guess there's there's part of the question is, is what about what about these? What about um, synchronicities? And and I will also share that over time, as I've found there to be more integration, I'm just living in a much more synchronistic world. But they're not coming so fast as they can when you're having a more dramatic awakening. They're they're not overwhelming. They're they're more integrated. So, so how can you speak to that, Mary, in terms of that experience? That are many people having that experience? You know, a lot of people do, and it's one of the first things that people tend to notice when they kind of realize that they are in a spiritual journey. Um, maybe they'll notice that the clock is always, you know, specific numbers, or they'll, you know, the exact right song will come on the radio at the at the right time for them. Um, So that is a really common experience, and it can be jarring for some people, but for a lot of people, it's just really wonderful, you know, oh, what does, Mm -hmm. you know, the clock being 11-11 mean, and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So um, in the beginning and for a while in the process, it is something that we really take notice to um, because it's kind of like all of these elements, all of these energies are really, you know, waving their hands and jumping up and down, so we notice them. Um, and these are just like little elements of, of spirit, of, you know, of whatever we want to call it, um, being around us and, and supporting us and us realizing kind of that we're we're starting to get in line um, with ourselves. A little bit later in the process, it's not that the synchronicities necessarily slow down. They just don't need to like kind of wave their hands and jump up and down. We get more to kind right. of that, that flow state where we realize, you know, what we should be doing and, you know, what sort of energies are coming towards us that are, are you know, what is the right opportune time for us to do specific things. Um, and we just kind of um, do things or we don't do things. There isn't like a lot of um, necessarily that intellectual state that we were talking about later. So mm-hmm. again, it kind of goes from that, you know, sort of staccato static, like, synchronicity, 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 what does it mean when I see this animal outside, what does the clock mean sort of thing, us analyzing everything to just kind of being in that nice flow state where we wake up and we're like, you know what, this is a great day for me to, um, you know, meditate for two hours. Or we wake up and it's like, you know what, this is a great day and the energies are really supporting me getting everything done on my to-do list and going Mm -hmm. to the grocery store. So (laughs) kind of how I would speak to that. Yeah, I actually really appreciate how you call it a flow. It's not so much slowing down. I guess they're not as surprising. They're just cool. I mean, it, they still are always going to be that way to me. When it's every once in a while when there's something that's particularly good, you know, you just want to say to spirit, oh, good one, nice, <laughs> you yeah. know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, but it flows, you know. It's almost like it's fun and you're just having this this conscious interaction where 
I think that, um, and it is, it, it's really unique to be here out in Blog Talk Radio Land because what's so um, unique here is that there's just such a diversity of audience listening. And and I will tell, because I know there are people out there who will understand, um, when I first encountered um, some really undeniable synchronicities, and they were just undeniable, um, at first they were cool, but then I got to wondering, are these signs and wonders? Because I'd been taught in the end times, you will see signs and wonders. <laughs> and they really yeah. looked like signs and wonders. And so... Um, that then tended to lead me into a spiral <laughs> where I had to work with that. I mean, it took years, truthfully, for me to work through all the end times cultural stuff. And in some ways, yeah. I probably still do. And and But I know that, um, and for some people, that's part of their experience. Um, I, I found very interesting that, um, like charismatic Christians, they love synchronicities within their own um paradigms and are able to integrate it within within that um when it flows and then they also have some there can be a dysfunctional aspect where it's overwhelming and they can't function you know if they take too much of that however they're getting their spiritual experience um it can overwhelm their circuits much in the way that um you know through other traditions it can happen yeah, and so that is kind of that that cultural layer that we were talking about, where we're conditioned mm-hmm. to believe specific things. Um, yeah, and so I've talked to people, and I've studied, you know, different folk traditions, and a lot of them have similar to what you were talking about. They have, you know, omens and portents and all sorts of stuff that, you know, if you see this in a dream, this means this. If you mm-hmm. see this on the road, this means this. So. It's really, um, and even more kind of in common day or, you know, I would just say like for a wider audience, we have so many dictionaries out there of dreams and what seems certain animals means and all that sort of stuff. And while all of that sort of stuff can ascribe meaning for us, again, if we go to kind of that more freedom state, um, it's, I always ask people, well, what does this mean for you. So I'll have people come to me and I do a fair amount of spiritual work and they'll, you know, do spiritual work, they'll do a meditation and they'll see a snake and it will be really frightening for them because to them a snake means something evil or it's something they're not Mm -hmm. supposed to, you know, work with or even see. But then I ask them, you know, oh, what's your own experience of snakes? What does that mean to you? And they're able to look at it as, you know, a beautiful experience or, or something like that. So um, it really is kind of going beyond that that cultural yes. layer and realizing kind of beyond, okay, we've been taught this. We've been taught this to be true. But what does it mean for us sort of yes. thing? Yes. Oh, and I want to advise anyone on the line. I know we've got people on the teleconference. Um, if you want, I don't. We're not going to have time to take many calls. Maybe one, but I'm not sure if you're just listening or if you want to talk to us. If you want to talk to us, you have to press one. Um, so do. If you want to talk to us, press one. Or if you're just listening quietly, that's good. Um, now I have another question about, um, and I know you address this in your book. And um, I will share that um, in in some ways it was really fortunate 
for me, although there were some challenges along the way where, where I actually encountered a, a researcher in spiritual emergence. To this day, I don't know who this person was, but I did, and also some other people who were um, knowledgeable about this. And this was early on. This was like 2004, something like that. That was when it was most intense for me. But many people, um, there's a... There, you know, there's an interaction with the mental health system as to, you know, what is what is a spiritual emergence, which is starting to be formally recognized, or certainly was just starting back then, versus, you know, some other thing that is more lifelong or or chronic or whatever. And they're able to tell. I mean, that's been my experience, unless they're not very um, well versed on it. Um, but um, how, how can you address that? Because sometimes it's really easy, and I'm really cautious about this, because sometimes there are genuine, um, you know, things that are that are conditions that I don't want to speak to. I can't say, and there can seem to be spiritual aspects, and yet there are other things that are very spiritual emergent and can actually go to the point of spiritual emergencies. So I wonder if you can speak to that too quickly. We don't have a ton of time, but yeah. um, it's an important topic. So in my book, I do talk about kind of spiritual awakening versus mental illness. And again, people kind of look at this as a black or white thing, meaning that yeah. you're either going through a spiritual process or you're going through a mental process. And while there are people on um, different sides of the spectrum, meaning that some people are just, you know, they need to have hospitalization and they're creating kind of, um, I think in the book I, I say that some people are truly, you know, in contact with Jesus and some people are creating Jesus out of their own psyche because being themselves is too painful. Um, and so there is a lot of caution to be had with this subject. And I wish that I had easy answers for it. There are some people that are going through spiritual awakenings that do need things like hospitalization. Um, But unfortunately what happens is that they get labeled and they get medicated for long periods of time. And um, and that is really unfortunate because medication really stops the spiritual awakening process. And it might be absolutely needed, but it's not like these, a lot of these medications are prescribed for the short term. You know, if you're hospitalized, yeah. generally you're going to be on medication for a while. Um, yeah. And there are some people that are going through such a severe spiritual awakening or they're so psychic, which is another category I talk about in the book, yeah. that they're just so in overload that even the ability for them to go see a competent spiritual healer to or someone like myself to teach them tools in order to work with this, it's just not possible, at least likely not for this kind of lifetime. And it's unfortunate, but it's just, it's true. So we have kind of a full spectrum of things. Um, and so I try to be pretty general about this and Mm -hmm. say things like, Mm -hmm. I am not you, and if you're going through a state of emergency, um, you need to be safe and kind of um, therapy and hospitalization. Those are methods that um, can keep people safe so they don't harm themselves or harm anybody else. 
Um, but the, the psychotherapeutic model overall still looks at spiritual awakenings as um, something that is negative, basically. Yeah. They don't look at it as a process of gaining freedom. They don't look at it as a positive sort of process overall. Um, they look at it, um, they'll, you know, I've read a lot of articles of people blaming meditation, you know, like, oh, if she had <laughs> yes, done meditation yes, or yes. something like that. So um, yes. I do support, I know a lot of transpersonal therapists and stuff like that, and they're definitely people that are very knowledgeable about this subject that are within the confines of such a system um, that they can do things like admit people to hospitals and keep people safe when they need it. Yeah. Um, now, I, and, there's one thing yeah. I want to say is that um, I feel that our society is still evolving in that way and that we need to be cautious about saying that's necessarily safe. I mean, it really depends on on where because some of them are not safe, unfortunately. I mean... I wish it, we'd like to believe they are, but I, I think some who have had firsthand observations know that not all of them are safe, and so it's not really an easy question. I mean, yeah, um, and it just depends. I mean, some may be, some may not be, depending on how well taken care of. And so I think it's a really huge struggle. I mean, it's it can be a hard question for family members and for people to know what is safe and I don't think we've answered that as a society yet um, completely no, maybe definitely in not <laughs> and when we yeah. talk about subjects like this it's so hard to you know I'm not going to describe anybody else's reality for them right. you know it's so, so well, and it's hard to know it's, it's difficult yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're really getting close to the end of the live show and it's true that the listeners have been have been listening quietly quietly in the teleconference and I appreciate that. Um but I really want to tell you that um I'm very thankful for having you here, Mary, and for the explorations that you've done and I feel that we're only just brushing the surface of all of this because you know there's there's a great wealth of material in your book the the spiritual awakening guide and there there's a link on the page for those of you who are looking at a page that has a link but or go look for the her book um and and thank you for being here today mary yeah thank you so much for for having me it felt like the the hour went by really quickly <laughs> Very fast, and I had a feeling it may, but you know what? I think we covered a lot of material, and and I'm appreciative of that because there's just so much to explore here, and, um, you know, I'm I'm really thankful you're here today. Yes, thank you. Thank you again for having me. It was wonderful wonderful to talk to you and wonderful to talk to somebody that knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, to know and to really know, it's a full-time life of exploration. I mean, I'm only brushing this around. Exactly. Each one of us, who's, I mean, each of us, I think, feels that way. So, so again, thank you so much and, and take care as the, the live show is about to go down here. So, so take care. All right, you as well. Oh, thank you. Okay, just a quick note to the live audience. Wow, that one, that interview just is coming right down to the end of the show. Thank you for being here, live audience. And I want to let you know that the next show is Monday, um, 
what is the date on Monday? I'm losing track. For those of you listening in the archive as well, it's Monday, September 21st at 7 p.m. Pacific. We have another primetime show. Sonia Grace is coming back. She comes back every few months. We're doing our fall equinox special, so that'll be nice. Um, and it's the perfect time for it next week. Um, already fall is upon us. So a lot of shows next week. You're going to see more 7 p.m. Pacific shows. We're getting a really good prime time schedule going here. Um, so FrontierBeyondFear.com is the place to learn about upcoming shows and archived shows. And now we're fully in the podcast, and I always like to talk to the audience very briefly, those of you who've been with us this whole time. Um, I feel your energy across time. Um, there is no real time, and you are here with us, very present, and I'm glad that you came in today to listen to this show, no matter when you're listening. could be far in the future, and I hope you, too, um, are discovering all the shows in FrontierBeyondFear.com and that you learn about your own spiritual awakening process, because I think if you find, um, if you explore what what Mary has discovered or has explored herself in the spiritual awakening guide, you will find um, there there is a spectrum. There are just so many different ways of entering into this, and so I really advise you to to, to go out and and check out this book um, and learn more about your own process and those of your loved ones, because you may be supporting a friend or a loved one that you are attempting to understand. And I think this book could be really helpful for for people in that situation, too. So, again, thank you so much for being here, everyone. I will see all of you again who are listening in the near-term future on Monday for our Fall Equinox special. Take care, everyone. Thank you.